eight, we worship you, we praise you, we give you all that we have, Lord, and we just we say thank you for, for loving us, even, even when we didn't deserve. God, now I pray that you would that you would speak to us through your word, that you would change our hearts. God, we don't want to leave here the same way we got here, so change us and make us more like you. Start with me. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I just have a couple of uh, quick things to tell you about before we get started. First of all, a few weeks ago, um, we announced that our youth pastors, Ray and Katie, are going to be transitioning out of that role. Um, And that position is now open, it's available. So if you have ever been interested in youth ministry, if you feel called to ministry, if you know somebody who's called to ministry, uh, that is open on our website right now. So you can go there, you can uh, put in an application. Um, That is open until March 8th, okay? So uh, if you're interested in it, you know somebody who's interested in it, we would love uh, for you guys to apply for that. Um, The other thing is I'm not feeling super well today. So if you don't see me after church, it's not because I don't like you guys. I'm just trying to uh, not get everybody sick, okay? So uh, with that said, today we're going to be kicking off a new sermon series called Divine Direction. And what, uh, what we're going to be looking at in this series is how to seek God's will for your life. But, but even more than that, it's really how to trust him with your future. Because uh, like Benji just said a little bit ago, if you're here this morning or if you're watching online, the story of your life isn't over yet. You still have blank pages that need to be written. But one thing is certain. The choices that you make today will lead you in one direction or another. Okay, so now before, before we get going, um, there's something that's kind of funny that you should probably know about. There have been, well, let's just say that there have been occasions in the past where Pastor Angel has asked me to start a new sermon series only to decide the next week that we're going to do something different. Okay, so don't be surprised if you come next week and we're starting another new sermon series, all right? So... You've been forewarned, I'd say there's probably about a 50-50 chance, uh, so you'll just have to show up next week and see if we find out if we keep going, all right? So, with that said, uh, a little over a year ago, we had a young man come to us, and he, he, to- he told us, I feel like I'm being called to ministry, and he's like, what do I do? And we're like, we don't know. Um, <laughs> that was a first for us, and so, so Pastor Angel, Angel and I sat down, um, and we started talking about what we could do for him, and we found some courses online. Um, and we just had him start taking these classes. Uh, but that some, some, then something interesting happened. Over the next probably seven or eight months, we had two more people come to us and tell us this same thing, that they felt like they were being called to ministry. And so we, we started sending them through the classes. But we, started our, we also started asking ourselves, like, what is God doing? Um, for the first time after 15 years, somebody came to us and told us this, and now we have three people within a span of a few months. So God was obviously doing something, but what? And what we realized is there was a need for something like this, a need for a program like this, a simple program for people who felt like they were called to ministry but didn't necessarily uh, need to go through like Bible college or anything like that. Um, so just a simple program that people who were called to ministry could go through and get sort of the fan- foundational aspects of what it looks like to work in ministry. And so in November of last year, uh, sort of the rough idea for the Mosaic School of Ministry was born. And from there, Pastor Angel was sort of like, okay, now can you figure out the rest, right? Like <laughs> curriculum, schedule, all this kind of stuff. He's like, can you, f- can you sort out the details? Oh, and by the way, uh, let's try to start in January. Cool. <laughs> Have you ever been asked to do something, but you didn't really know how you were going to do it? 
And maybe it was something sort of similar to to my experience, and maybe it was a situation at work where you were being asked to do something that you didn't really know uh, how to do it, or or maybe maybe it was with your health. Maybe your doctor said, hey, you need to make some serious changes, but you didn't really even know where to start, or or maybe it was God asking you to do something, but you weren't really even sure if you could do what he was asking you to do. That's sort of where I was. Like, Guys, I just barely finished my associate's degree. I have no business starting a school, okay? But, but it was a, so abundantly clear that this was something that God was telling us to do. Oh, and by the way, the school did launch in January. We, had 16, we have 16 students. Yeah. And we're about two weeks away from the end of our first eight-week period, and there has been so much interest that we've decided, to, okay, well, let's open it up again and see... So we opened up enrollment again. So if you, if you were missed it the first time around or you're interested in the school, go online and apply. Um, the next eight-week rotation will be starting uh, here in the middle of March. Okay? So, but this is, this is divine direction. Okay? It's trusting, that, uh, it's trusting that wherever he's leading, it's trusting that wherever he's leading, you will always be headed in the right direction. And, and I really, really wanted to call this message, uh, just do it, but apparently that phrase is trademarked. So my legal counsel, um, ChatGPT and Associates, uh, that's an AI if you didn't know, um, they advised against it. So instead, I'm calling the message, do despite, and then you fill in the blank, because here's why. You see, the thing about divine direction is it doesn't work like a roadmap. How many of you guys can remember roadmaps? A few of us. For you younger people, a roadmap, it was like this piece of paper with all these different roads on it, and you could draw, anyways, you have Apple Maps and Google Maps now. But anyway, so a roadmap, you could plot out your, your whole route point by point, right? You knew exactly where you were going to start, exactly where you were going to end, and you knew exactly the turns that you were going to take to get there. Divine direction doesn't really work like that. No, it works more like... Um, your wife sitting in the passenger seat going, oh, that was our exit, and you're stuck in traffic three lanes over. <laughs> I mean, I've never had that experience myself, but from what I hear, <laughs> that's sort of how divine direction works. It's one turn at a time, one step at a time, and sometimes it feels out of control. But the key to following divine direction is to do despite whatever, do despite fear despite doubt, due despite uncertainty. And so today we're going to look at the story of someone who was given a task to complete, but he wasn't really sure how it was going to work out. The story is in Genesis chapter 24. This is what happens. Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife from my son, from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife from my son Isaac. The servant asked him, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country that you came from? Okay, so to kind of set this up, Abraham's now an old man. And he's sort of trying to secure his legacy by finding a wife for his son Isaac. And so he gets the highest ranking guy in his household. He gets the guy who's been with him the longest, the guy that he trusts the most. And he gives him this task. He says, go to my own country, to my own family, and find a wife for my son. Now, I know what you're thinking. 
This was normal back then, okay? It was normal for people to marry within their extended family, okay? Don't do that today, all right? <laughs> You'll have issues. Um, but you can see right away the guy's like, um, Abraham, Abe, sir, like, I hear you, but I also see some potential problems. Like, you want me to go to this country that he's probably never been to, to these people that he's probably never met, and just sort of like ask them to give me one of their daughters to bring home to their relative who they haven't seen in decades, okay? What if she doesn't want to come, right? Now, I don't think this guy was trying to get out of going. I don't think he was trying to get out of it. I think he was truly like, Abraham, I don't know how this is going to work. Fortunately for him, or maybe unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, he was talking to somebody who had a little bit of experience with divine direction, with doing despite, right? Abraham was a man who, when God told him to leave his family and go, he went, despite not knowing where he was going to go. Abraham was a man who, who saw his son born when he was 100 years old. That was just as much a miracle then as it would be today. Abraham was the same man who, several years after that, trusted God and was willing to sacrifice that same son. Okay, so Abraham knew a thing or two about divine direction. He knew what it was, to, what it was like to do despite his doubt. And so when his servant says this, Abraham knows how to handle it. But I want you to look at what he says first. He says, make sure that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household in my native land and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying, to my offspring, I will give you this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. So Abraham, first of all, says, you're not going to take my son back there because God called us out of that place. That is no longer who we are. And so we won't go back to the place that we were before. This is our land. But then he gives his servant some assurance. He says, if the, will, if the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. So Abraham's like, all right, Bob, I don't know. Um, let's pretend for a second that I'm wrong and that she won't come back with you. If that impossibility happens, then you can be released from the oath and you can come home. But he also doubles down, doesn't he? He's like, but don't you dare take my son back there. But you know what Abraham didn't do? He didn't tell him anything else, did he? He didn't say, okay, this is what you do when you get there. He didn't say, go to, the, go to this town, to this side of my family, and ask for so-and-so. They know that this is all arranged, right? He didn't do any of that. He just said, go and get a wife for my son. And so what did the servant do? Then the servant left taking with him 10 of his master's camels loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He left. He went. He started. He did despite his doubt. And I think that's one of the most important things that we can learn from this man is that we might not always have all the instructions. We might not always have all of the answers. But when God asks us to do something, sometimes we need to just do. If we spend our lives waiting until we have all the answers, we will almost surely die without ever having done anything of real importance. And I believe that there are some of you in this room today that God is asking you to do something, or he's asked you to do something, and you've hesitated. 
because he didn't have all the answers. He didn't know how it was going to turn out. And I don't know what that is. Maybe, he, maybe he's asked you to start a business or a nonprofit, or maybe he's told you to go back to school, or maybe he's told you to finally ask her to marry you. She'll say yes, okay? Or maybe he's telling you to a, apply to become our youth pastor. I don't know. Maybe he's telling you to join the school of ministry. Or maybe it's something simpler than that. Maybe he's, maybe he's telling you to just start serving in the church or start giving and trusting him with your money. Maybe he's, he's telling you to join a connect group. But when you walked out last week and you saw all the tables and all the people, you're like, oh, man. And you got overwhelmed and so you just left, right? You ducked out. You're like, I saw you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. By the way, if that's you, there's still time. Go online, find a group, register, and go. I promise you, you won't regret it. Anyways, whatever it might be, I want to tell you today, sometimes the best thing that you can do, just do. Just start. Just take that first step and trust that if he's told you to do it, he will provide the way. He will provide the answers. For others of you, maybe, maybe you're like, I, I don't even know. Like God hasn't told me to do anything. Well, fortunately for you, the Bible is full of instructions for all of us, okay? So let me help you out with a couple of things that maybe he wants you to do. Maybe he wants you to uh, give your best effort at your job. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. But Ben, you don't know my boss. That guy's a jerk, right? Hopefully he's not sitting next to you right now. Um, I don't get paid enough. They don't appreciate me there. That's not my job. All I get for doing good work is more work. Listen, I get that. Do despite. Paul says in everything you do, do as if you're doing it for God. And what, what makes this verse even more crazy is when you realize the people that he was addressing were slaves. They were slaves. How much more would he tell us to give our very best? Do it despite being underpaid. Do it despite being underappreciated. Do it despite it being not your job. Because you're not doing it for human masters. You're doing it for God. Or maybe, maybe your marriage isn't doing so well right now. I don't know. Maybe you're not sure what to do. Listen, can I speak to the, just the men for a second? Because I can relate to the men a little better than the women for hopefully obvious reasons. Um, Look at what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Paul says, this is the example that he gave us, to love your wives the way Christ loved the church. So how did Christ love the church? Well, he prayed for her. He sacrificed for her. He served her. Ultimately, he gave his all for her, right? So how should you love your wives? Maybe start by praying for her. Or maybe try serving her. And I don't mean like bring her food. I mean like ask her what she needs help with. Or even better, watch what she does and just start doing some of those things. And, and even better, see if you can do it without needing recognition for it. See if you can continue doing it even if she never acknowledges that you did it. Because here's the truth. If you need recognition for it, you're not doing it for her. You're doing it for you. Got a little quiet in here. That's all right. Um, but listen, I... I know the excuses. I've used plenty of them myself. Do despite. Do it. Because if you truly want a good marriage, man, it starts with you. 
You need to be willing to give all of yourself to that relationship, just like Christ did for the church. Okay? So let's keep going. So the servant arrives in Abraham's old country, and this is what he does. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time when women go out to draw water. Then he prayed, Lord God, God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show me kindness and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink and I'll water your camels too, let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. So he gets to this town, but, but that was sort of the easy part, right? Like that wasn't really the part he was worried about. He wasn't worried about getting there. He was worried about how do I find a wife once I'm there. And so he gets there and he's basically like, okay, God, I'm here. I did it. I've done what I can do. Now I need you to show up. And this is the next thing that we learn from him. You do what you can do. Let God do what only he can do. And this is what this guy does. And this is, um, this is what happens. Before he had finished praying, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother, Nahor. Remember what Abraham's two stipulations were? Go to my country, go to my family, right? We see this here. So the servant hurried to meet her and said, please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered her, the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him, a, given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran back to the well to draw more water and drew enough for all his camels. Did you catch that? Before he had even finished praying, Rebecca shows up and does exactly what he was praying for. When you do the things that God asks you to do, God will show up and he'll do the things that only he can do. Now, I will warn you, it might not always be as instant as this. Okay, but he will always show up. Let me prove it to you. In 2014, this church was meeting on the third floor of the Jerome building in downtown Greeley. Some of you recognize that building. If you're old enough, you used to get your driver's license like right there. Yeah, we were up here. That was our church. And if you were there in those days, you know it was, let's say it was a little rough. Okay, it was a little rough. But, and because unless you knew about it, there was no way of knowing that there was a church on the third floor of that building besides this small little sign that hung above the entrance that said Mosaic Church in the Monastery Christian. In fact, one time, we even, had, uh, we even had this guy come to the church to preach, and he was like a uh, uh, church growth expert, something like that. Um, and he told us, these were his words, he says, this is the worst church location I've ever seen. <laughs> cool. So we were setting records, Right? It's not the kind you want to set. Um, but so we'd been in that building about six years at the time, but we had known for quite a while that we needed a new location, right? Um, so to give you an idea, over the, over the probably three or four years before that, these were just a few of the buildings that we had looked at. We looked at the old Hewham Woods, the old Albertsons, the old Warnoco West, the building next to Food King, Journey's Old Church, which is now 23rd Avenue Church, the old movie theater at the mall, the old bank at the mall, and quite a few others. Those were just the ones that I could remember off the top of my head while I was writing this, okay? We, were, we knew we needed to move, but something changed in 2014 that made it urgent. 
So our landlord, uh, the guy who owned the building at the time, he was a great man. He helped us out a lot. He really, like, gave us breaks and stuff. Um, but in February of that year, he passed away, and his business partner took over. And what his business partner did is he started looking at selling the building. And if you know anything about real estate, um, in order to sell the building for the highest price, you want your current tenants paying the highest amount in rent. Well, we weren't. <laughs> and what was worse is our lease had expired in October of the year before, so we were month to month. And so when that happened, uh, we were paying about $3,500 a month in rent there. And he came to us and said, I want to raise your rent to $7,000. And I will be honest with you, if that had happened, it would have crushed us. It would have. Like, we would have had to sh close our doors because we could not afford that. And so we said, okay, well, we have to move. Like, we have to move. And so uh, Pastor Angel sat down with our board, and they met with a banker, and they determined that we needed to raise about $100,000 uh, to be able to put a down payment down on a building. Now, that's still a lot of money now, right? But at the time, that was almost unfathomable. Like, we we're like, that's impossible. We're never going to be able to do that. But we knew that God was telling us we needed to move. And so uh, we worked out sort of a short-term solution with the landlord to buy us some time. We lost some of our space, um, but we were able to stay there until we could find a building. And on June 1st, 2014, Pastor Angel preached a message called Love Drops an Anchor. And his point was, God is calling us, Mosaic Church, to drop a permanent anchor in this city, to find a permanent location where we can continue to reach people with the love of Jesus. That was the message. And so he came to the church, and he said, in order to do that, we need to raise $100,000, and we need to do it in 90 days. That was about what our annual income was at the time. And we needed to not only continue getting that annual income, we also needed to raise an additional $100,000 in 90 days. And some of you here in this room will remember that message, not because of the message itself, but, it became, he gave, but because he gave us these little anchor keychains, and they were the worst keychains ever, right? You would put them in your pocket, and they would rip your pockets every time you tried to pull it out. They would catch on everything. They were awful. That's the first service. How many of you guys still have that anchor keychain? Okay, so a couple of you. All right, I couldn't, I know I have mine somewhere. I couldn't find it. I wanted to bring it, but anyways, but so he preached that message, and, and within a couple of weeks, we got a call from someone that told us the old Carmike Theater was being sold. If you've been around Greeley, that was a theater that was just west of Texas Roadhouse, but it was being sold. And they told us, and get this, the guy's name is Anchor. And we're like, all right, drop Anchor, Anchor, that's got to be God, right? This is going to be perfect. That building is perfect for us. And so Pastor Angel met with him. He told him what we were trying to do, and it turned out they were trying to build, they were going to build a hotel on that property, which guess if you drive by there now, that's probably what's going up as a hotel. But, but they came to an agreement, and he said, if the city will let me build my hotel and keep that building, you can have it. It's yours. So we're like, we got it. That's our building. So a couple of weeks later, the guy calls, and he says, the city said no. So we're going to tear it down. But we're like, no, that. That can't be the end of the story, right? Like, no, God is anchor, anchor, like it's perfect building. No. So we were believing in faith that that building was going to be ours. And we would, we would go and watch movies. We, we, really, we would go and we would walk, wander around inside the building and just pray for it. Like, we, would, we were just praying, like, God, this is our building. Like, we're going to put our kids' church here. We're going to have their sanctuary here. We're all these things. 
And uh, at one point, Pastor Angel even went and he walked around the building seven times like the nation of Israel does at the city of Jericho in the book of Joshua. It's a great story. You should go read it sometime. Um, But he laughs about this now because in that story, they walk around the city and the walls fall down. And on March 9, 2015, that happened. (laughs) And uh, it's a funny story now. But I would be lying to you if I told you it wasn't devastating in the moment. I went back and watched the message um, from the week after. And it's funny, I'd forgotten about this, but I actually preached the Sunday after that happened. And I remember just how devastated we were. Because we were so sure that that was our building. Like we we were as sure as you could be that that was our building. But that's the thing about divine direction. That sometimes you can be so certain of something but God has a different plan. But I will promise you this. If his plan is different, it's better. But it was hard to recognize that in the moment. So anyway, so we went back to the drawing board, and um, a couple of months later, we heard that the church that was previously in this building wasn't doing so well, and that they were going to be merging with Journey Church down the street. And so Pastor Aaron is a good friend of Pastor Angel's, and so he called him up, and he said, would you like to move into that building? And we're like, uh, duh. <laughs> yes, of course, right? And so, so we spent, uh, spent a few weeks uh, renovating and getting it ready. And October 11th, 2015, we had our first service in this building over in the East Auditorium. But, yeah. But I want to tell you a few cool, few things that make this story even better. So... Remember, the message that Pastor Angel preached was called Drop Anchor, or Love Drops an Anchor. Do you know what this street right here is called that the building sits on? Maybe? A few of you know. Yeah. This is going to be a surprise, but that's all right. Um, across 23rd Avenue, it's 34th Street. But like these guys just said, right here where our building sits is Anchor Drive. God is doing something. But it, it, didn't, it didn't stop there. And I'd forgotten about this, so I went, when I went back and watched the message, Pastor Angel at the same time that he was telling the church we needed to raise $100,000, he told the church, there's four things that we're looking for in a building. Okay, so I'm going to list them for you. Four things. He told the church, we're looking for a building that is 12 to 15,000 square feet. The theater was about 13, if I remember right. This building is 26,000 square feet. We're looking for a building that's easily accessible. Well, 23rd Avenue is one of the busiest streets in all of Greeley and Evans, right? He said, we're looking for a building that's centrally located in Greeley. And I think he was thinking a little bit small at the time because... We have people who come here from Wiggins, from Brush, from Brighton, from Fort Lupton, from Longmont, from Fort Collins, from Windsor, from Eaton, and all around. That red dot is where the church is. Do you think we're pretty centrally located? And we're looking for a building that can easily be described in one sentence. Where's your church at? Oh, just south of the Sam's Club. Right? (laughs) That's how, I, that's how I describe it. <laughs> do you think God knew what he was doing? When you do the things that God asks you to do, he will show up and do the things that only he can do. So let's finish our story. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing a becca and two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels. Then he asked, whose daughter are you? Please tell me. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? 
She answered him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son that Milcah bore to Nahor. And she added, we have plenty of straw and fodder as well as room for you to spend the night. Then the man bowed down and worshiped the Lord. And I love that last line. And I think it's the last thing that we learned from this man is to worship God every step of the way. Because if you notice something important, Rebecca hadn't said yes, had she? She hadn't said that she would go with him. She didn't even know why he was there. But he worshiped anyways. And when you start stepping out and you start doing the things that God has called you to do, there will be times like this that it's clear that God is doing something. And in those moments, worship. But there will also be times when it feels uncertain, when you're watching your building being torn down. There'll be moments where it feels like, man, God, am I even on the right path? And in those moments, worship. Because if nothing else, worship will take your focus off of what's going on around you and it'll put your focus back on him. On the Sunday after the Carmike Theater was torn down, you know what we didn't do? We didn't get the church together and say, well, guys, we had a good run, but it's over. Oh, we got together and we worshiped. And we sang, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we said, we we might not know what the plan is, but we trust him. So today, whatever he's asking you to do, I would encourage you to trust him and do it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for, we thank you for stories like this that remind us of your goodness, of your faithfulness, of what you're doing, Lord. That you're with us every step of the way. God, I pray that you would give us the faith and the courage to step out and do the things that you are asking us to do. And then, Lord, I pray, when we start doing those things, I pray that you would come alongside us, that you would show up, and that you would do the things that we can't do, but that we know you can do. God, I ask for the courage to trust you in every situation and every direction of our lives, God. Lord, this morning, we just worship you for who you are because you are good in every season, in every circumstance, in every situation, even when it feels unclear to us. We love you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing this last chorus with us? future and you don't know the next step, the whole reason Mosaic exists is to connect people to Jesus and help them grow in their faith. And we never like to end a service without giving each and every one of you an opportunity to do just that, to welcome Jesus into your heart and to take that next step. And so it's just a simple prayer that you say, there's nothing special behind the words, it's your heart behind it that matters. And I'm gonna ask everybody to repeat after me with every eye closed and head bowed. Dear God, Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that you sent him 
to die on a cross for my sins. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I need you. I ask you to wash away my sins. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I make you number one in everything I do from this day forward. Amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, we just want to say welcome home to the family of God. If you said that prayer for the hundredth time, we just want to say welcome back. We're just really excited for you. And we want to walk alongside you on this journey. We never want you to feel alone. So if you will scan that QR code on the back of the seat in front of you or behind me, we want to just be a part of this journey with you. You guys may be seated. Just a few quick announcements. Tonight is worship night. So we do this every month. Yes, yes, I love worship night. If you're like me at the end of worship, you're like, dang it, it's over. <laughs> I love worship night. So it's one hour. We meet here tonight. It's at six. Normally it's at seven. So put that on a calendar. We'll meet here for one hour and we just praise the Lord together. It is like, it's like our worship here on steroids. It's so fun. So I invite you guys to come to that. Uh, next weekend, we have First Saturday Prayer, another thing we do every single month. Uh, again, one hour here at 9 a.m., we meet in this room and we just pray over each other, over our lives, over our church and our city. And it's just a really great way to start your month fresh. Also, next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. That is the next step in your journey. So if you've already welcomed God into your life and you've already made that commitment, then the next step would be to get baptized. And if you've been thinking about it and you're ready for it, I invite you to please sign up online and come next Sunday. Invite your friends, invite your family, make it a party because that's what it should be. Um, we're gonna go ahead and finish our service with our tithe and offering. I don't know if you guys know this, but our church uh, uses our tithe and offering and we spread it all over the world, especially here in our city. And one way we do that is in the cold weather shelter. So you guys remember last month when it was like negative 20 degrees? I was thinking, what do the people do that are homeless? Where do they go? How do they stay warm? It's the cold weather shelter, the United Way cold weather shelter. And you guys get to be a part of that in this part of our service right now. So I just wanna say thank you guys for partnering with us in that and helping to not only help our city, but help all over the world. So we're gonna go ahead and pray over our tithes and offering together. Dear Jesus, I just thank you for using us, Lord, using us to do your work in this city, in our country and in the world, God. We know that you have chosen us and we thank you for, for generous hearts, Lord, and for generous people of Mosaic. God, I pray that as everyone leaves today, Lord, that they would just be filled with your presence and filled with your Holy Spirit, that you would have changed their hearts today, God. We can't wait to see them back next week. Lord, we pray for those who couldn't be here today but are watching online or maybe aren't watching online. God, we just we just want to play a pray a blessing over their lives, God, over their finances and their health, Lord. And we just want you to remind them how much you love them. God, we thank you for being a part of our lives and we thank you for what you're doing in Mosaic. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, if you need extra prayer, we do have a prayer team that will be up front. And with that, have a great week. We'll see you next week or tonight.